God, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much for this day. We invite you to this place, Lord. I just ask today that your word would pierce our hearts, God. That the things that you would have us hear, the things that you would have us be challenged on, that you would bring to the forefront of our minds. God, that as we study what it is that you are doing from Genesis to Revelation, God, that you would bless us by revealing what's coming next. God, that you would challenge us to dig in deeper to your word for ourselves, to read your story and spend that time with you. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Anchor. Good to see you guys. That's so funny. Normally it's this side that's like fuller and heavy over here, but it's everybody sitting over here. Oh, (laughs) there they go. Okay. So we are in a sermon series called Puzzled by the Bible. Um, And this sermon series is really about the story of God, God's story from Genesis to Revelation, kind of a picture of what he's doing during that time. Uh, Last week, we filled out a card with the different phases or movements of this, what we're calling this biblical meta-narrative, this bigger story, bigger picture. If you don't have your card or you didn't get a card, please raise your hand, put it up in the air, it's okay, you don't need to be afraid, and somebody will bring you one. And the other thing is if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. And if you don't have one, that's yours to keep. Okay. So there's a reading challenge on the back of that that we hope that you follow along with us on. And today, based on last week's reading challenge, we're going to be in Genesis chapters 13 through 15 primarily for our scripture today. Um, And last week, we covered a lot, (laughs) okay? So last week, we covered this section here, this chunk of the biblical meta-narrative. That's Genesis 1 through 11. And I know that it sounds like a small amount, only 11 chapters of the Bible, but it encompasses a whole ton, doesn't it? Yeah, and Pastor Lindsay left us with this story, okay? She left us hanging by a thread on the edge of our seats trying to figure out what was going to happen to her. Is this pastor in jail? Well, she's not here this week. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Unfortunately, you're going to have to wait till next week to hear the end of that story. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. I know the end of the story. Okay, but for a show of hands... Okay, there's realistically two things that could happen in this story, okay, because she forgot a jury notice. She forgot to to call in and see if she was needed for jury, okay? So there are two possible endings to this story. It's either guilt and punishment, right, or guilt and mercy, right? Either way, she's guilty. She didn't do what she was supposed to do, okay? So is it Mercy or is it punishment? Raise your hand if you think that she got a giant fine in the mail after calling. Oh, wow, we are a gracious bunch. Oh, a couple, a couple, just just to be dissenting, right? It's fine. Uh, (laughs) Okay, raise your hand if you think she got mercy. Oh, man, you guys just know her so well. Uh, She did get mercy. She called, and she said, listen, I completely forgot to call. I'm so sorry. She just groveled. I saw it. There were tears in her eyes, and she was moaning on the floor, please don't send me to jail. I'm just she didn't do that. Um, And they told her, had you called on that day, you would have heard a recording that said you weren't needed. Your jury, you you fulfilled your your jury duty. It's fine. You're good until next year. And she said, praise the Lord, right? And we do too, because we need her. (laughs) Okay, isn't it incredible and amazing that we don't get the things that we deserve? Right? Because Lindsay deserved to be punished. She deserved a fine, whatever it is, jail time for not doing what she was supposed to do. 
That's something that we're all faced with as adults, is jury duty, right? We have to do our part as American citizens. But God is gracious, and God went before in that situation. He went before her not remembering. And praise God that he sees that far. So last week we talked about, we talked about the heart of God. We talked about this reality that God is merciful. And her story illustrates that. Today we're going to expand on that. But last week I just want to reiterate the three truths that Genesis 1 through 11 establish. The first is that God has no equal. He is beyond everything. There is no one better or more qualified to be God than God. He has no equal. The second is that sin leads to death. Sin is the reason we are no longer with God in the way that Adam and Eve were. And the last is that we are to blame for that. That we chose that sin and we still choose sin daily. The next leg of God's story has to do with the nation of Israel, with God's holy people, if you will. So the 12 tribes, and this is leading up. We're almost to the peak of this triangle, right? It's the first story, though, in Genesis 12 that sets the tone for the rest of the biblical meta narrative. So if you get nothing from today, please understand that this story paves the way for the rest of it. There's nothing else if not for this story in Genesis 12. Okay, it starts with, with the story of Sarah and Abraham. And we know that this is so important because Abraham is the person that all of the other New Testament writers go back to as having faith. We see it in Hebrews. We see it in Acts chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, and they say this. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. That's us. God's promise to Abraham means that our lives are changed. You and I, that our lives sitting here are changed. We see it again in Galatians where Paul says in Galatians 3, 6 through 8, So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. That's us. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. The whole rest of the biblical story hinges on God's promises to Abraham in Genesis 12. Without the promises that God made to Abraham, there's no Jesus, there's no church, there's no us. These promises pave the way for the rest of the story to make any sense at all. So we're going to look at them. Okay, in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, the Lord, Scripture says this, The Lord said to Abram, also known as Abraham, his name later changes, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, in, in plain words, in words that every single person can understand, okay, because it's kind of poetic, uh, these are the three promises. The first, I will make you a great nation. The second, I will give you a great land. And the third, through you, Abraham, all people on earth will be blessed. Please do not miss the weight of these promises. The very first promise, let's look at that. 
God promises to them, they, he will make Abraham and Sarah a nation. Where there is a nation, it has to start with one. Sarah is barren. She's past her childbearing years. Without God's help, she can't conceive. Right? What a promise to tell a barren woman, I will make a nation through you. These promises are not just to Abraham. They're to his wife as well. I will make a nation through you, a barren woman. That's a heavy promise. But we see God fulfill it in Isaac. We see it happen. Do they wait a long time? Yes, but the fulfillment is there. The second promise is this. I will give you a great land. This is a story happening in all of the prophetic books of the Bible. So today we're covering Genesis 12 all the way through Malachi. And that is a significant portion of the Bible. That's like the whole Old Testament. Uh, (laughs) Israel conquers land, they conquer their foes, and then they turn away from God only to be brought back again. And it's an endless cycle. But continually, in battles that they should not win, God is present. In battles that seem hopeless, God is present. We see him fulfill this promise to Abraham. And they're big. These two promises are big. The Israelites spend 40 years in the desert and then spend the rest of their time fighting for land, but they get it. And then comes the third promise, okay? And this, the other two were big. They were big. But this might be the heaviest one of them all. It's this. Through you, all people on earth will be blessed. That is huge. (laughs) Abraham cannot possibly see the fulfillment of this promise in his lifetime, can he? No, and he doesn't. We'll talk more about this next week, but the fulfillment of this promise does happen. As the arrow goes up, we see Jesus, right? It does happen, um, even though Abraham's not around to see the, fu- the fulfillment of that. But let's pause here and go back to verse 1 of Genesis 12 for a minute. It says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Okay, let's skip to verse 4. It says, So Abram went... And verse 9, then Abram set out. This very crucial story in Scripture, the one that the Messiah rests upon, the one that our salvation rests upon, begins with the faith of one man. The crux of God's redemption plan rests upon a man's commitment to God, rests upon his commitment to follow and to wait, it, the, the whole biblical meta narrative, I need you to understand this. The whole biblical meta narrative includes a subplot of God using man to redeem the thing that he messed up in the first place. God's whole story, his whole positioning of people is to bring us back to him. We see the, the whole story is about God reuniting with his people, and it begins with Abraham. Based on Abraham's life, we have a working definition of what faith is, and we need faith in order to trust God's promises. Faith is this, to follow and to wait. It seems pretty simple, right? To follow and to wait. Sometimes we get into the mindset of thinking that the Old Testament has nothing to do with our lives, that it's just kind of a dusty old book full of stories from 
from a different time, you know? Maybe we even think sometimes that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God that we see in the New Testament, but it's not true. The point is that from beginning to end, God is including us in his redemption story. From beginning to end, his actions might look a little different, but his story is all there for us. He is the same, and it is not a dusty book. And I need you to, to look at this, okay? Just look. I'm, like, so excited about this. I love teaching, um, and I need you to write a word. If you have your little card, which you all should have your card. I gave you an opportunity. Okay. <laughs> right in the middle, mirror. Okay? Because what's happening in this whole story, this whole bigger picture of the Bible, what's happening is that as we go up, we hit Jesus, okay, which we're going to talk about next week or in the next couple weeks, okay? And then we come down, right, in the new covenant. This is the, the story of the Bible. This is the timeline that Lindsay gave us last week. Okay, but what happens is that everything is mirrored, right? So where, where there is God and man in the garden, right? Over here at the end of the story, we know how it ends. God tells us in Revelation, it ends with us redeemed with God, right? So where there is the world judged and purified by water, in this case by Noah, as we talked about last week, next time it's going to be by fire, but it happens again. We see that in scripture. Okay, so the 12 tribes of Israel, that's where we're at right now, that start with Abraham, where we're at right now in our story, that's mirrored. I cannot stress to you enough how important it is to glean an understanding of what's going on in the 12 tribes of Israel right now. Because this position right here, leading up to Jesus, right, we've gone through after Jesus, we've seen the church, this is where we are. We're in a time of waiting. We're in the same position that they were in, but on the other side of Christ, okay? So now that we've established that, let's, let's keep going. Verses not, 4 and 9 tell us that Abraham had faith, right? They say he went, he set out. After God told him what was required of him to be blessed, Abraham did what he was asked. He went. He, he okay, I'm, I'll pack up my stuff. I'm going to go. He went. If you read further into this story, you'll see that Abraham did follow God, that he waited on God. And Abraham, it cost him everything. He, he had to leave the life that he knew, his family, the people that he belonged to, to follow God into the desert, to follow God into a place where there didn't seem to be hope from the outside. But he was stepping into a new life. He was stepping into a called and a set-apart life by God. And the fact is this, that following God requires us to leave stuff behind. And that is hard, and we don't like to do that. How many of you would say that you probably have more coffee mugs than you need in your house? Yeah. How many of you would say, ah, oh, you probably have more shirts and more pants than you need? Yeah. We don't like to get rid of stuff, guys. I know that. I, I'm the same way. I raise my hand on both of those. Way too many shirts. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy for God to ask Abraham to leave everything that he knows, everything that he has, everything that he is, and to follow him, but he does it because he is a man of faith, and that is counted to him as righteousness, as we read earlier. Following God 
means walking away from some things, but it also means walking toward new ones. There is crazy amounts of pressure in a life lived by faith, in a life lived by our definition, by following and waiting. Please don't misunderstand me. I said it was simple. I never said it was easy. And the lives of Abraham and Sarah echo that. They never say that it's easy. In fact, some of, they, they, uh, sorry. <laughs> in fact, at one point, they give in to the pressures of waiting, right? They gave in, and it ends in a world of hurt to them. And we do this sometimes. We give in to temptation because the waiting is difficult, right? Because we don't know what will happen during the waiting. We don't know how long we're supposed to wait. We don't know, oh man, I'm waiting for this, but then this opportunity pops up. Do I continue to wait or do I go after this? We give in and we find ourselves surrendering to not waiting, surrendering sometimes to sin. Abraham and Sarah even caved to this, okay? And I'm going to read to you some passages from Genesis 15, verses 9 through 11, and then 17 through 21. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. What a mouthful. Um, as God, so he has, he has Abram set up this this really kind of gruesome picture, right? Cutting animals in half and setting them on either side of a, of a tunnel, a passageway kind of, okay? And at night, God walks in between this. This is what this means. God walking through this signifies him saying, if my promises to you do not come true, if they're not fulfilled, let what has happened to these animals happen to me. That's a covenant you don't forget. God walking through the carcasses of slaughtered animals saying, if it doesn't happen, let it happen to me. Okay, that's a covenant you don't forget. And yet we see right after this what Abraham and Sarah do. Abraham and Sarah see this, okay, and Sarah says to herself, it's just not possible for me though. It's not possible for me to have a child. So she says, take my, take my handmaid, my maidservant Hagar, and you have a child with her, and God will establish your kingdom. He will establish our descendants through her, right? And Ishmael, the child, turns into a huge source of contention for Sarah, right? It hurts her, hurts her heart. It hurts their marriage. It hurts their, what they have developed together, okay? And it also later turns around to bite Israel in the butt. It does. How many times, though, do we do this? We see, we see a promise, or we, we receive a promise from God, and we don't wait. We don't wait on his timing, right? We decide, well, my timing's better, though. It's coming faster, right? God, all of the doors seem to be open. I'm, sure, I'm just gonna walk right through them. Not gonna even talk to you about it. I'm just gonna go, right? It comes around and bites us in the butt. <laughs> when we don't follow and wait for God's timing, 
how can we expect to receive God's blessing? I'm going to tell you a story about when I was a kid, okay? Um, I was a really, like, <laughs> I was a really curious kid, but I was also a really sneaky kid. Um, and those two don't mesh well if you don't want to get in trouble. Uh, so I was always in trouble. But mm, there was a particular birthday that I got myself into quite a lot of trouble, okay? So this is when I was, like, five or six. Like, I can't remember exactly. I was in elementary school. But, okay, so my mom went grocery shopping before my birthday, like, it was, like, a couple days before my birthday. And it was weird to me because she always made me go grocery shopping with her. My mom and I share this thing where it's an equal pain to us to grocery shop. I just, I don't know what it is. It's just, like, I just don't want to be here, man. I don't want to be buying this food. Like, can we go home now? Okay, so I would push my tiny cart because Jubilee had these little ones. They were so much fun. And she would put stuff in it to make me feel like I was contributing, doing something. So it was really weird to me that she didn't take me with her. So like my little alarm bells were going off. I said, something's up. I know it. I just know something's up. Okay, when she got home, she unloaded all of these groceries into our kitchen and she didn't let me help. And that was my second warning flag, right? Like something's up. My mom is up to something. That was like a, a chore and a half. Who likes to, okay, so it's one thing to go grocery shopping, am I right? But another to put the groceries away. Oh, drives me nuts, okay? She didn't let me help. She said, no, go play. I said, yeah, okay, I'll go play. I'll watch you from across the room with peepers of steel. Um, and so I watched as she unloaded these groceries, right? And I see her, like everything looks normal. And then I see her place something between two boxes, smack them together real, real fast, and then shove it all the way up on the very top shelf of one of our cupboards. And I knew, I knew. I was like, <laughs> that lady got me something for my birthday. Hey. Okay? And that's when I started developing a plan. Right? I woke up before my mom in the mornings because kids somehow seem to do that, and then as we age, we lose that. I don't know why. Okay? But I woke up before her, and I was like, great, I'm going to get this thing. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to get it. And my, my plan, my thought, was I'm going to stop. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to be so excited, and then I'm going to put it back, and I'm going to that's going to be it, okay? So I pull out all of the drawers on the bottom. I climb up on top of the counter. I open the cupboard door, and I'm, like, reaching. I'm, like, not that tall. I'm still not that tall, right? So I'm, like, reaching. I'm, like, I just need to touch it. just need to touch it. And I'm feeling around, like, it all feels like food. Like, and then I, oh, that does not feel like food. Crispy packaging, plastic, great. And so I, I reach, and I grab it, and I pull it down, and I look, and I'm staring into the face of the most beautiful Barbie I've ever seen. Oh, she is so pretty, and I just want to play with her. Okay, and I, I look at her, and I'm like, man, this is where my plan ended. Like, I did it. I got her. I found her. I see her. We're good. But it wasn't really enough to just see her. You know, like, I wanted to play with her, so I thought, well, okay, let's let's go off script a little bit, and I'll take her out of the box, but I'll just play with her one time. And I will be so careful, okay? I will be so careful with these twist ties and all of these little bits and bobs, and I will put it back exactly how it is before my mom wakes up, put it up there, and I will, I will never touch it until my birthday again, okay? So I do. I take it out. I take the Barbie out. Like, it's incredible. I'm playing with it. I'm having a grand old time, okay? Here's the deal. There's a little blow-up, like, green blow-up chair that she came with that she could sit in, and, I, like... I was playing with the Barbie, and I was like, man, but how much more satisfying would it be 
to play with this blow-up chair, too. Like, I'm only playing with half the toy, really, you know? And I was so careful about the other part. Like, I'll just take it out. So I, I carefully take out this little blow-up chair. Everything goes smoothly. According to, believe it or not, I didn't even have to rip the box. Like, it was incredible. I don't, God's mercy, he's, he's shown down on me, okay? And so I'm, I'm untying it, and I, like, okay, here's the moment. <gasps> I cannot blow this chair up, okay? And, <gasps> The more that I try, the more frustrated that I get. And the need to play with it just grows more and more urgent. And I just, you know, I'm getting angry at this point. I'm like, why lungs, five-year-old lungs, can you not support this? Okay, and so I do what any kid does when they're frustrated, when they don't know what to do. I go to my mom and I say, mom, can you blow this up for me? And I'm sure that you can guess what happens next. She did not blow up the chair. She blew up, right? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> that was it. I got myself into a world of trouble before my birthday. Okay, because you can bet your bottom dollar this, I didn't trust my mom's timing. Right, I wanted it now. It was guaranteed to me. It's a birthday present. It happens once a year. You know on your birthday, when you're a little kid, you're going to get your toy. Okay, it was guaranteed to me, but I didn't trust that timing. I trusted my own. And that landed me in so much trouble. <laughs> I did not see that Barbie for like a week and a half after my birthday. Could not have it. Wouldn't let me play with it. I understand, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it still hurts me to this day, but. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a child, I demonstrated what happens when a person focuses on the pressures of waiting. The waiting becomes unbearable. And the same is true for us spiritually. When we focus on the pressures of life, the promises of God seem to fade. But on the, the opposite is true. If we focus on the promises of God, the pressures of life seem to fade, don't they? By not waiting on my mom's timing, I not only robbed myself of a great birthday, I robbed my mom of a blessing of her own. Our definition of faith, as demonstrated by Abraham, is to follow God and to wait for his timing. For some of us, waiting looks like spending time in the mornings before you do anything else with God. Maybe it means because the satisfaction is so real, just hopping out of bed and checking things off of lists, right? I'm going to go to work. I'm going to get there on time. I'm going to get that coffee. I'm going to get this paper done. I'm going to go, 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 right? The satisfaction is so real to just check things off, but maybe waiting means to put that aside for 10 minutes so that you can spend it with God. Or maybe this is you. Maybe waiting for you looks like being intentional about your Sabbath, Looks like before the other things that you do on your weekend, you spend that time with God. That you set aside a Sunday, maybe. Maybe it's a different day. I don't know. But that you set aside a day where you stop, you pause from life, and you say, God, I trust you. I trust you with my time. I trust you that today, when I spend it looking in your face, I will not be worse for the wear tomorrow. Maybe, and this is a very practical one, maybe for you it could mean purity. Maybe it means waiting to be physically attached to another person before God's timing, before God says it is right, which is covenant relationship. 
Whatever it is, please hear this truth. Sin leads to death, just like we said last week. And just like this rubber snake that we talked about last week, we often handle it, and we handle it in times where we feel pressured, where the weight is too long in our eyes, where we just don't trust God enough. I know that you promised me that, and I can't wait for it. So instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle my sin like it's not dangerous, like it doesn't cost me something every time I touch it. Don't you want to live a life of God's blessing? In order for you to do that, you have to live by faith. You have to follow God and to wait for his timing. I have two questions for you this week. What is it that you need to walk away from in order to follow God? And what do you need to walk toward? Pray with me. God, give us faith like Abraham. Give us faith to march into places that seem hopeless, but with the glory of your name on our lips, knowing full well that what you promise, you deliver. God, change our hearts, change our minds to be receptive to the ways that you lead us. God, to be challenged by your word to be challenged to grow in faith. God, help us to follow you. Help us to leave behind the things that we need to let go. Help us to wait well with patience, with grace, doing in the midst of scripture that there is not a single moment that you are not present, that your story is one of redemption, of you coming and meeting with us, of you redeeming us, God. Please change our hearts. Let us follow you. Let us leave behind what needs to be left and follow you. We love you. Amen.